Well, as we said, it is our Godly Woman curriculum, and it's the Proverbs 31 Woman Part 2. Um, our curriculum tells us that this woman excels above all virtuous women, and we're going to continue studying that passage today, picking up with verse 19. Verse 19 tells us that she layeth her hands to the spindle, and her hands hold the distaff. So the spindle and the distaff are used to make yarn and then clothing. So we see that this woman is busy with her hands. And it also shows us, according to our curriculum here, that she has the ability to create things. She's a creative woman. She doesn't just settle for ho-hum. She can create things. It shows her ingenuity and her work ethic. She's not a lazy woman. We saw that last Sunday, and we'll continue to see that. But again, in this verse, it shows us she's not lazy. She has a good work ethic. She puts her hands to things. You know, she works with her hands. She's able to take nothing, which in this case was the raw wool, and she's able to turn it into something, which in this verse is clothing for her family. In short, the virtuous woman makes things happen for her and for her family. She's a go-getter. You know, she doesn't just sit by and let life happen to her. She makes things happen for herself and for her family. Good things. You know, she, she's not just creative at, at homemaking skills, but we could see this that she's very creative in all areas of her life. You know, we have good uh, school teachers, or if you have a role as a Sunday school teacher, creative in those areas of your life as well. You know, she's creative with her children on how to handle her children, how to manage her children, how to discipline her children, how to teach her children. She has creativity going in her. And all of these verses we can take back to that verse where we saw she got got up and spent time with God because God's the creator of all things. So that creativity that we need to be a godly woman is going to come from him. And we're going to get that as we spend time with him. You know, she doesn't just, uh, this woman, she doesn't just wish things would change or whine because things are the way they are. You know, like we said, she's a go-getter. She makes good things happen for herself and for her family. She doesn't just, uh, lay back and, and sit idle. She's working with her hands. Verse 20, she stretches out, stretcheth out her hand to the poor, yea, she reaches forth her hands to the needy. We can see again in this verse her, her selflessness. We saw that last Sunday in some of our verses that, that she is a godly woman. She's a giver. She's giving of herself to other people. Our curriculum says she has a heart for those in need. And this is not just limited to the financially destitute, but also those poor in spirit and those that are spiritually poor. She doesn't just give money. She also gives the gospel to those in need and an encouraging word to those that are cast down. So she's, she's speaking kindness to people here, speaking kindness to her family, you know, speaking kindness to her husband. You know, if she sees another lady in the church or someone at Walmart that's hurting, she's speaking kindness to them. She has God's words in her, so she's able to encourage and give that out as well. Not just $5 or $10 or financial matters, but she has the life of God inside of her to give to other people. You know, it takes a lot of rebellion to overthrow that. And America teaches us that, but even as little girls, you see them wanting to nurture and take care of things and, you know, love on their baby dolls and love on their puppy dogs. Even as a little child that's in us to want to take care of things and speak encouraging words to one another. But the rebellion that's been taught to us or that we give into or that we teach ourselves 
helps us to overthrow that. And that's what we want to make sure that we stay clear of, that that rebellion is not in us, that we keep those those God aspects that are put in us as a little girl, we keep nurturing those. You know, we should be better nurturers in our t- teens and in our 20s and in our 30s. But sometimes the little girls beat us out. You know, they're so sweet at heart. They're so simple, you know, not in an ignorant way, but just to take care of things. We need to make sure that we're nurturing that and growing that in, in our lives as women rather than squishing that out and trying to be what, what America says we need to be as a woman. So verse 21, she is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. Um, The first four words of this verse are very powerful. She is not afraid. She's not a paranoid or panicky woman. You know, she's not always flitting about, what about this? You know, what what if this happens? What are we going to do if this? What about this? What about that? She's not a panicky woman. This verse says she's not afraid. You know, so if you have fear in your life for whatever reasons, this is a verse that you can come to and say, Lord, as a woman, I'm lacking in this area. Help me to help me to get this out of my life. Help me to line up with this scripture right here, because this woman, she's not afraid. The first four words are powerful. She's not afraid. She's not paranoid or panicky. Some women are seemingly afraid of calamity, calamity occurring at any given moment but not the godly woman. The godly woman has a heart of faith that produces a cool confidence. And again, this comes because she knows who her God is. She spends time with her God. She walks with her God. That's where the confidence is going to come from. It's not going to come from the world. It's not going to come from an education. You know, as a woman, even a man, your confidence can only come from God, knowing who you are in him, knowing what he's created you to do and fulfilling that, spending time with him on a regular basis and and watching him move in your life when god has done something for you 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 don't doubt he's going to do it again there's confidence there because you've walked with him and he has seen you through something so with this this verse here the snow uh, can either represent the harshness of life which would be the weather or sickness leprous snow or even sin But regardless, she's not afraid because her household is clothed in scarlet and the scarlet being the blood of Jesus. You know, in this verse, she's not denying the snow, whether it's the weather, whether it's sin, whether it's adversity. She's a smart woman. She realizes that that stuff is going to happen. She's not keeping her kids in a bubble. You know, she's not keeping her family in a bubble saying, none of this is ever going to apply to us. She has some reality about her. She knows that her kids are going to be faced with hard decisions. She knows that it rains on the just and the unjust. The Bible tells us so. But she has that confidence because she walks with God. She knows that she's teaching her kids the word. She knows that she's bringing her kids to the house of God. She knows that she's, again, in that morning time, praying for her family, praying for her kids. She's covering them with prayers. She has a confidence because of her relationship with God. She's not, again, you know, saying none of this applies to us because we're Christians. That's, that's foolishness because the Bible tells us it does apply to us. Uh, but she, she has that confidence because she knows that Jesus is covering her household. She's seeing too her part of that. So t- well, that'll take us to verse 22. She maketh herself covers, coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. Pastor Bob Yandian explains this verse as her desire to please her husband in the bedroom. 
The coverings of tapestry refer to fine bed sheets and the clothing of silk and purple to delicate bed clothing, what we today would understand as lingerie. It would only make sense that the godly woman is also faithful in the matters of the marriage bed. You know, this woman has been doing a lot. We saw, we talked about her for 45 minutes last week and, and we didn't even expound on everything there was. And she's busy yet again today, but she's not just a work mule. You know, she's a lady too. You know, she's not just a workhorse that you beat and you whip and you work till it falls over dead. You know, she's a lady. She takes care of herself. You know, she's, you know she, she's making stuff for an intimate time with her and her husband. That's important to her as well. She's making herself pretty however that applies to her husband because, you know, Melina's husband won't like the same things my husband likes. But she's adhering to her husband and making herself lovely for him. You know, that's a part of her day as well. That pleases Jesus as well. When we as women take that time and that effort and that energy to make that important part of our, our daily lives as well, to, to put our husbands first in that matter. You know, this lady had to spend time and even money and energy to make all this stuff. She made it. We can just go to the store and buy it or you can make it too. But, you know, she put some effort into this. It was thought out. You know, it wasn't just, okay, well, you know, if we have to, you know, she planned this. <laughs> she planned this. This was important to her. She put energy and effort to make sure that it was nice when that time did happen for them. So that's important as well. You know, she wasn't too tired. She had saved enough of herself, even through all that stuff that we saw her do last week. She had saved enough of herself for her husband as well. You know, she didn't just give it all out to running her house and making things run smoothly with the cooking and the cleaning and the vacuuming and the kids and taking care of her handmaidens. She, she saved some of herself for her husband too, and that's important. Verse 23, her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. In this scripture, the gates refer to the city gates where they had their city council meetings. So this man is, is in a position of leadership. And any husband with this type of woman, blessed with a household run with the kind of efficiency and wisdom described so far, would certainly be famous and envied. No man wants to be tied to a tired, nagging, lazy woman. The elders of the land would certainly be jealous of the man married to the Proverbs 31 woman. This scripture says a lot to me, maybe because my flesh can rise up in this area from time to time, but this woman is very selfless. You know, she's putting her husband first. She's putting the affairs of her house first, and, and she's, she's not making a name for herself. She's putting Jesus first. And she's not jealous about that. It does, this verse doesn't say that she's known at all in the city gates, but her husband is. That's very contradictory to feminism. Feminism says you have to have a good job. You've got to make something of yourself. People ought to know Melina Vaughn. We ought to know that name. That's what feminism teaches her. But the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says this woman pushes her family first, pushes her household first. She looks to Jesus first. She's not worried what, what PTA has to say about her. She's not worried about what the girlfriends at work have to say about her. She's worried about pleasing her Jesus and taking care of her family. And, and one of the things that, uh, you know, with my husband being the pastor, he stands in front of all of you and all of your hearts are endeared to him, many of you more than they are to me. 
And as a woman, this verse helps me to be okay with that. Even when women's hearts are more endeared to my husband than they are to me. So, you know, if you're married to a man that's in leadership or even a a minister, this can help you because we never knew anything about Peter's wife ever in the Bible. We didn't know much about Brother Hagin's wife. We didn't know much about Dr. Sumrall's wife. But they did their job and they'll have their rewards in heaven. We have to know that our rewards in heaven are more important than any praise or adoration that we may get here on earth. Uh, and and that, that helps me, you know, because we as the women are called to be the help meet. You know, Romans 9 says, can, can you, as the pot say to the maker, why'd you make me this? Well, if you're a woman, you're the helper. You're not the star quarterback. You know, how many people can name five offensive linemen names right off the top? Probably not too many. <laughs> Probably all of you could name five quarterback names. But that offensive lineman's job is just as important. You know, so you as a woman, your name's not meant to be known. If that hurts your, that hurts your heart, then that's something you know you have to pray about. And when your flesh wants to rise up, you say, no, my name is not meant to be known. My husband's name is meant to be known. I like it too. It's that she's not jealous about that. You know, as if you're a competitive woman or, you know, you have that drive in you to want to do well. Remember what your drive to do well is for. And that drive to do well should be to propel your husband, to take care of your family, and to push them forward. Not to have a big name for yourself, a big salary, a big fancy career, according to the world. But, but this woman's husband was known and not her. And she was okay with that because she was pleasing her Jesus. And that's what's most important anyway. But sometimes... We forget about that, and and we want to do what we think is important right now, not what's important to Jesus. So we have to remind ourselves of that one. Uh, Verse 24 says, She maketh fine linen and selleth it, and delivereth girdles unto the merchant. The efficiency of the godly woman permits her to start a business on the side. She has more linen than she can use, and yet more time with which to do something. So she sells her wares and to the Phoenicians, which are the merchants, no less. And that that shows us again, we saw last week, she does things with excellence. For these people to want what she had, she was doing things with a a spirit of excellence about her. Um, The Phoenicians were the cream of the crop traders in this time. So the very fact that they were interested in her products reveals that she did things with excellence. Verse 25 tells us, Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. The godly woman is protected by strength and confidence. She is a strong woman, and she's confident. And again, she gets that strength and that confidence from walking with God, not by doing what America or society tells her that she should be doing not by running a Fortune 500 company or something like that. She has that strength and confidence for walk, from walking with God. Back to our curriculum. She is a strong woman and she is confident. She's just not arrogant or bossy, which as American women, you have to fight that because you're not taught to not be arrogant or bossy in this country at all. You're not taught that unless you're in the house of God, most likely. So we need to, to make sure that we fight against that. 
This demeanor, demeanor teaches others as much as her words will, but her strength and confidence have allowed her to build and develop a well-run home, one that she can rejoice over. The godly woman has a home that others envy. You know, she's a walking testimony. She's living the lifestyle God has asked her to live before people. She's not telling people how they should live their life up until this point. She's living it out in front of them. You know, and wife, if, if you complain about your home, it's your fault. If you have something to complain about your home, it's your fault because it's your job to manage and take care of the home. You know, she's, she's not this woman. She's not strong in rebellion, which is feminism. She's strong in the Lord. And, and there's really no other kind of strength than what comes from God. You know, if you think about a, a woman that builds her body up and has all these great muscles, she will still die and go to hell if she doesn't have Jesus. She can have all those big, strong muscles, even a strong attitude, but without Jesus, she will die and go to hell. There's no other strength except for what comes from knowing the Lord Jesus. Verse 26, she openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. Though she runs a great home through orders and commands and directions, her voice is not shrill or harsh, harsh, excuse me, you know, and that comes to the voice behind it. Just because you, just because you're being loud or mean or yelling or shrill, that does not mean you're being effective. It all comes back to your heart. And, and, you know, sometimes you can hear someone, even in a restaurant, you can hear a loud lady talking across the room and you think, oh man, I'm glad I'm not at that table. You know, we don't want to be that for our husbands and our family. We don't want them to think, man, I wish I wasn't at this table. You know, you need to have a sweet and a gentle, we've, saw, we've seen already many times she's an encourager, she's an uplifter, you know, she's a gentlewoman, she's strong, but she's not yelling and commanding orders like, like G.I. Jane to her family. You know, she's getting her point across because her home runs very effectively. You know, we don't see the thing falling apart left and right, it's, so it's working, but she's, she's doing it with the love of God. She's getting her point across, but she's still sweet and merciful and compassionate at the same time. Her mouth is filled with wisdom, not insults. And again, we, we have to make sure we're using our mouth to uplift our family, to uplift our husband. You know, if you're a single lady, to uplift the people that you work with, uplift your other family members. Your mouth needs to be used to, be, to uplift people, not to put them down or to hurt them or to talk about them behind their back. Gentle teaching is in her mouth, not hurtful put-downs. Again, we talked about, you know, knowing your husband's weaknesses. Uh, the, this word kindness here is the Hebrew word for mercy. When you see weaknesses in your family members, whether it's, you know, extended family if you're single or your spouse, which is the, you're going to be the closest to, or you should be, you're going to see your spouse's weaknesses. This word here says we should have mercy on those weaknesses. We shouldn't be putting him down because he lacks in an area. Those are hurtful words. That's what we want to avoid. We should be lifting them up. The same with our children. You know, if, if you see your kids are lacking in an area, don't say, you never do this right. You're always doing this. Encourage your children. Build them up in that area. Use that mercy and those kind words to help them to grow into what God wants them to be, not using your mouth to put them down. 
So kindness is the Hebrew word for mercy. Her mouth is filled with the law of mercy. Although she is demanding, she is not rude or difficult. You know, she, she's, she's not judgmental or criticizing. She's getting her point across, but she's not a difficult woman. Also of note, this is the first verse in 15 verses that mentions her mouth. So that tells me a lot about the previous verse 25. You know, she was living it out in front of people. You know, she was living it. They could see that she had a godly lifestyle. They saw her mouth, but this is the first verse we hear mentioned about her mouth. Our mouth is important, but what we do in front of people, what we say in front of people is more important than what we say with our mouth. Because you can tell them that you're a Christian, that you love your husband, that you love your kids, and then run them down at lunch when you're in the lunchroom with them. And, and that tells them a lot more than what you just told them you know, earlier that day. So this woman, verse 27, she looketh well to the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness. Again, we see she's a busy woman. She has an eye that is always searching for what is lacking in her household. You know, she wants better for her household. She's always looking to make things better. She wants to do better. She wants to be better. You know, her household in includes her, you know, so she's looking at herself. How can, how can I do better? How can I, I work on this thing God's been dealing with me about? How can, how can I encourage my kids in this better? You know, she's looking. She knows what's going on in her house and with her family. She is diligent over the care and condition of those that live under her roof. And as almost a sar sarcastic addition, this verse concludes that she is not eating lazy bread. You know, again, she, she's working very hard. And, and many hypocrites or the rebellious against the word of God will say, what, do, what is she doing all that for? Doing all those meals and doing all that stuff for her kids? Well, they'll work just as hard going against God than what this woman has been doing working for God. They'll, they'll work even harder. I mean, they will run themselves ragged trying to be feminism queen, you know, she, she woman of, the, of America. They'll work just as hard to do all that, to have a fancy career or whatever, going against God They'll work just as hard and be miserable for it. They'll still be empty. You know, they'll, they'll still be wanting more because sin always never fulfills you. Only for a season, we know that the Bible tells us, only for a season. So living a life running away from God, you can only find temporary fulfillment in that. You will never be fulfilled long time doing that. You know, you're still gonna be miserable and frustrated, more so because now you're further away from God than where you started. Uh, but, but this woman, she wants to do better. She knows what's going on with her kids. And I think as a mother, that's an important thing because, you know, especially if you're a working woman, your, your children are at school all day. But it's important for you to make sure that you're looking to see that things are okay with them. You know, as a mama, you should notice something's going on with my child. I need to pray more. I need to get God to speak to me about what's going on with child number two. You know, child number two is acting different. I need to ask them what's going on to see if something's bothering them. The same with your husband. You know, uh, maybe he's dealing with something and he hasn't, hasn't brought it to you yet to share. You can be praying for him, but you're not going to know those things if you're not looking. 
you know, and again, that can come in your prayer time with the Lord. Lord, talk, I thank you for talking to me about my family. Show me how I can best be a blessing to them. Show me even how I can best pray for my husband. Show me how I can best pray for my kids. You know, I know what I think they need, but Lord, you know them better than I do. You created them. Show me how I can better take care of my family, how I can better pray for them, how I can be a better blessing to them. This woman is doing all of that. Verse 28 tells us that her children arise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. That's an exciting verse to me. This, this is the reward. The reward of all this hard work is respect from those who she so dearly labors for, her husband and her children. Again, she's not worried about impressing anyone else. We touched on that a bit last week where, you know, she considers a new field before she buys it. She considers, is this going to fit? She's not eager to say yes to everyone else and no to her family. She's not eager to say yes to everyone else, PTA, the co-workers, extra hours at, job, at the job. She's worried about pleasing her family. She says yes to them first, and she puts everyone else on hold until she gets her duties at home taken care of, her responsibilities at home. You know, she, she's not worried about uh, keeping up with the Joneses. She's worried about making sure that her, her husband and her kids are taken care of. Um, and again, many, many women, even Christian women, will run themselves ragged trying to please everyone while their home suffers. You know, you, you only have 24 hours in a day. And we've seen this woman's been very, very, very busy. So we have to just make sure that we keep our priorities in line. You know, we're spending time with our Lord. We're working on ourselves with him. And we're taking care of our husband and our families. And, you know, if you're single, let that be a desire for you. You know, maybe you're not married yet and you don't have a husband and kids to take care of, but your heart can be preparing for that. You can say, Lord, when I, when I get married, I want to be a good godly woman that takes care of my husband and my kids and puts them first. Help me now to start practice being selfless. Help me to practice being selfless now so that it's just an easy, that's who I am. Let selflessness be who I am. Because this woman is very selfless. The virtuous woman has the adoration and affections of her family. And what more could be desired, really, to have the adorations and affections of your family? Well, a lot more according to the world standards, but not according to God's standards. And I think even, even if a, 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 the feminist person to the core could really analyze and just be true to her heart, I think she would say the same thing, that this stuff is not fulfilling me. What, what comes... What gives fulfillment is the adoration and the love. When you know your husband is, is proud of you as a wife, when you know that your husband is excited to be with you as a wife, when you know that your kids are taken care of and you're helping to form them into arrows that one day you're going to shoot even further and, and they're going to change this nation for God. That, nothing more could be more valuable than that. So blessing and praise, these are the things that all women really long for and they are obtained by living as a virtuous woman. Again, you know, getting to the top of your company, maybe it's fun and great and rewarding, and they throw you a big party, but then it's over, you know? But what if the company folds? You, you've worked all that time, and then, the, then nothing. But if you work all that time doing what God has called you as a woman to do, you'll have an inheritance forever. You know, if you think about grandparents, there's a legacy in grandparents. Most people are proud of their grandparents. I won't say everyone, but 
You know, they're proud of their grandparents. They love their grandparents. They look forward to being with them. But, you know, there's no legacy in, in, in being a hermit or, you know, spending your whole life working to have that great career and then it collapses. Or, or you actually retire from there and you, you have a retirement from them. Is that going to comfort you when you're, you're 55 years old and you've retired and you have a big retirement check? That does not compare to having a husband that loves you, kids and grandkids at that time that are serving God because of what you did. And not that the husband doesn't have a role, but we're talking about women. Because of the job that you fulfilled, because you did what God asked you to do, you have that legacy. The, the world can't compare to that. And it lies to you and tells you that all this other stuff is better, but it, it just absolutely isn't. So verse 29 Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. This woman, the woman that lives by these passages, will surpass even the greatest women of the Bible. Sarah, Rachel, Esther, Ruth, etc. May all of God's daughters desire to be virtuous and not worldly. You know, we've got a desire to do these things, not to be independent and fighting for our own rights. Again, we know in Jesus we have no rights. <laughs> We don't have rights, but the world teaches us that we do, and we should fight for them. And when we studied some of the godly women of old, they were very godly women, but this woman surpasses them all, and we can do this because God gives it to us in his word. So he'll give us the grace to help us to do it as well. Verse 30 tells us that favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. And it, our, our curriculum starts out and says, why live for favors? You know, why live for favors from the world? Again, we know the world has absolutely no truth to offer us. It has its own standard, which is contrary to the world. So why would we live for favors? This verse tells us it's deceitful. You know, you'll end up stooping to the lowest degree to win someone to your side and dishonoring your God. You know, as women, you've got to be careful. Again, that, that scripture where she gets up in the morning and she spends time with her God. We have to make sure that we're walking with God because when your heart is full of something, you won't dishonor it. You won't have to worry or to think about, if I do this, will this dis dishonor this person? Because if you love them and, and you're wanting the best for them, then automatically you're not going to. And I think sometimes speaking for myself and I think women in general, we want to do things right. Christian women, we want to be perfect. We want to do everything the way we're supposed to do it. But it just all comes back with, to that walk with Jesus. If we're loving him and we're letting him correct us, you know, we're spending time with him, then all of that other stuff is going to be nat just naturally taken care of because it's going to be in your heart to do it. But if your heart is just to, just to do the right thing, and you don't spend that time with God, then you're going to trip all over yourselves, always trying to do the right thing. Because your heart's not full of God who automatically directs you to do the right thing. So we've got to make sure that our hearts are full of God, that we're talking to him, that we're focused on him, that we're spending time with him. And again, I, I've said it, I think every class, but not just coming to church, not just coming to church and, and listening to Sunday school and letting pastor teach us, if we're not doing anything with the word that we hear, we're deceiving ourselves. And we all know that that's the most dangerous kind of deceit that there is. 
because we think that we know something, but we're doing nothing with it when we, when we don't do the word that we know to do. So we've got to make sure, you know, I would encourage you take this curriculum home, the parts that you think, whoa, me or whoa, Nellie, study those parts and let that be part of, part of your daily Bible time. If you don't know where to study your Bible, let that be your daily, daily Bible time. Because as a woman, God's called us to do all these things. And if we're not doing them, then we're outside of what his plan is for us. And we want to be in his plan for us. So that's a perfect place for us to start right there. And, and then when you're full of God, you're, you're not going to in, dishonor him. You won't end up stooping to levels because you'll know, wait, that, that doesn't line up with God. So I, I don't have to worry about falling or stooping into something that's going to get me into trouble or be a, a snare or, or a trap for me. So... You'll end up stooping to the lowest degree to win someone to your side and dishonoring God. Beauty is fleeting, here today and gone tomorrow. Today's supermodel is tomorrow's plastic surgery patient. These things end in vapor. You know, beauty is fleeting. You know, as you get older, your body changes, things happen. But if you think about even supermodels, even the most naturally beautiful woman to your eyes, when she lives in sin, that beauty just goes away from her. It diminishes. You know, sin causes women and men to look ugly, even when they're naturally formed beautifully. You know, you can probably all think of a famous person or a superstar that does not live a life according to God, who naturally, you know, has some beautiful aspects or features, but she's just not a pretty woman. She looks trashy or she looks vulgar or she just looks rugged every time you see her because she lives a life of sin. So again, when we spend that time with God and serve him, like our curriculum says here, serve God, this will bring you praise and promotion all the days of your life. Because God brings life. The Bible tells us that, that word is life to us and flesh to, or <laughs> life to those that find it and health to all their flesh. So when we spend time in God's word, we get life even to our fleshly bodies, to our physical bodies. He brings life to us. When we get outside of his covering, his covenant out of that time with him, then, you know, sin can just weigh on us and weigh us down and we start looking tired and rough. Um... So again, natural beauty is fleeting. What is most important, and we'll get to that in another, another lesson, is our heart towards God. And that helps beautify everything else in the natural anyway. And this will bring us praise and promotion all the days of our life. Verse 31 says, Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gate. Every woman desires to be appreciated and accepted. The virtuous woman will be praised by her own works. So we see here, here's where she's getting the praise that we talked about earlier. Her husband gets praised in the gates, but she gets praised by the works that she's doing. You know, we saw her family is, is excited about her. They adore her. They love her. And her works are praising her rather than, you know, heathen men. You know, why do we want the acceptance of heathen men anyway? Why do we want the acceptance of our coworkers? Why do we want the acceptance of PTA or the kids' baseball team or all the parents that are on the kids' baseball team? This is our key to success and fulfillment as a woman. Our hand working and producing fruit for God as he hath laid forth in his word. You know, and this is going to bring us back to, you know, producing fruit for God is not going to be the same kind of fruit that the world tells you to produce. 
Fruit for God is going to be in your walk with him where you're changing and growing on a daily basis. Fruit for God is going to be, you know, in your home. You're managing things well. You're having a sweet spirit. You're having a sweet tongue, not a sharp tongue or a shrill tongue or trying to run your household. But you know what God has called you to do and you're walking in that place. You know, you're taking care of your home. You're taking care of your husband. You're pushing him forward. You're putting him forward. Um, you're living a selfless life. This woman, you know, we still haven't heard her complain about being tired. Not one time. We talked about that last time, but she still hasn't complained about being tired. And now she's done a whole nother Sunday school lessons full of work. You know, she's done, a, she's done double duty now, and she still hasn't complained about being tired. And again, that comes back to producing this fruit for God. Because her heart is full of her family, her heart is full of God. This is what she wants to do. So it's an easy thing for her to do it. Producing that fruit for God, taking care of her children, and even those that, that you help. You know, we've seen her help people. We've seen her reach out to people financially, spiritually, encouraging other people. She's producing fruit for God. The world tells us that our fruit has to be a lot of money, you know, a, a fancy job, and again, all the while, living according to the world standards causes our families to fall apart and crumble. And that's not what God's called us to do. He's called us to be keepers of the home, to take care of the home, to build the home. She builds her home up, but she doesn't tear it down. You know, we've got to be making sure that we are producing fruit for God. And one of the main ways that we can keep our focus again is by spending that time with God on a regular basis making sure that we know what he expects of us because you're going to hear every day what the world expects of you. You know, for many of you, this may be the first time you've heard some of this teaching. There's a lot of teaching on it, but we don't always hear it. You know, I thank God that we get to hear it because then we, we know, you know, it just brings a peace to you. And I shared last week that even folding laundry now brings me more joy at home because I know that that's what God's called me to do. He's called me to take care of my home. But I think we get frustrated if we are always listening to the world and still trying to do what we know is the right thing to do, but we have no heart for it. The word has now come to us and we can have a heart for it. And if our heart doesn't line up to it, we can say, Lord, your word came. My heart doesn't line up. Please help my heart to line up with that because I still don't want to do that. I still don't want to you know, clean my house. I still don't want to take care of kids. I don't want that to be my job. I still want to have that Fortune 500 company that I know that I'm destined to have. You know, I still want to be that singer that I know that I can be. I can be a superstar, Lord. I can be a model, Lord. So we, we have the word, so now we can make our hearts line up to it, and thank God for that. So a success, again, is not in our career. Uh, what equals success in our life, you know, is salvation, is peace of God in our home, a home running smoothly, uh, pleasing, pleasing the Lord on a daily basis. That's what success should be to us as Christians. And we have to remind ourselves that because we hear and we see what success is described as by the world, by the society. You know, if you have a job outside the home, you know, I'm, you hear what success is, is being the VP or getting the next promotion or, you know, you pleasing the boss so well that you get bumped up. Well, we know promotion comes from the Lord, but we have to remind ourselves that even if we don't get a promotion on our job as a woman, 
that our success is still determined by what's going on in our home. As I shared last, last Sunday, you know, this, this woman, we don't, we see her doing other jobs. We see her uh, taking on other responsibilities, but it doesn't necessarily tell us that she has an eight to five or a nine to five job on a regular basis. But even if we have that job outside the home, this stuff still applies to us. So we've really got to have God's grace working in our life to make sure that we do keep our priorities straight because so much of our time can be pulled if we have a job outside the home. So much of your time is required, your thoughts, your energy is required outside the home if you have that job outside the home. But this still applies to us. So all the more we need to spend that time with God to get his mercy, his help, his creativity so that we can fulfill all of these things because we can. It's, it's in here. We can do it, and God can help us to do it. So success is not a career. Uh, our success comes from knowing the Lord, having salvation, peace, a good family, and, and pleasing our Lord. Putting your hand to the world's vineyard will not satisfy you. I'm on the next page now. Putting your hand to the world's vineyard will not satisfy. This will leave you empty and frustrated, all while it's promising you greatness, all while it's promising you, you know, better this, better that. It's, it's always going to leave you feeling empty because again, when we chase anything but God, it's not going to satisfy us. So when we're trying to do things the world's way, it's gonna leave us hurting. It's gonna leave us empty. It's gonna leave us hollow. We're still gonna be wanting more. So the virtuous woman has both godly fruit and public praise. So again, we see she does get the praise of her works. Her works praise her, her family praises her, but she's not jealous when her husband is promoted in the city, when, when he gets all of the glory and the honor and they know who he is, but maybe they don't even know her name. She's okay with that. Her works and her accomplishments will be her praise and her remembrance. And again, you know, when we get to heaven, that's where our rewards really, really, really matter is what we get when we get in heaven. So if nobody on earth ever knows your name as a woman, that can be okay with you if you're in the scriptures. But if you're just listening to the world, then you're gonna be frustrated and be like, oh man, I'm a, I'm a loser, I'm miserable. It amazes me how many people, men and women, when they first meet you, they say, oh, what do you do? Oh, you know, oh, as to say, what's your career? Even to a woman, what do you do? And if you just say, I'm a homemaker or I take care of my family, oh, because this is foreign to them, you know, unless they're a Christian themselves and have been taught this. So we have to make sure that we're putting our hand to God's vineyard and not the world's. Last paragraph tells us, I am sorry to inform you that America's culture mocks this very holy and upright passage of scripture. As a woman, if you want the absolute best that the Lord Jesus Christ has for you, then you will need to transform yourself into the image of the Proverbs 31 woman. And as a woman, you don't have to do any of this. We know God doesn't make us do anything, but I, hopefully you can see from today's lesson that you will be miserable and empty if you don't. And if your heart doesn't want some of these things, we've had some teaching on the heart and we know how to make our heart line up with what God's word says, even when it doesn't. So praise God for that. I, I think we're just a minute or two early, but we'll go ahead and dismiss. Um, thank you all for coming today.